Hey everyone, welcome to the Goody Reader Radio Show. My name is Michael, and today we're going to talk about how in 2018, uh, e-readers are taking a step back from what happened in 2017. Also take a look at uh, the smartphone market, tablets, and two-in-ones, and how this plays into e-readers. So uh, basically last year was an awesome year for e-readers. Uh, Onyx Book Note uh, was a huge success for the company, uh, their 10.3-inch uh, digital note-taking device slash writing slate uh, was the first serious competitor to the Remarkable, and uh, both of those devices uh, were released in 2017 for the most part, and they really upped the game in terms of doing really something new with uh, e-paper. Um, e, you know, they sort of pulled a page out of Sony's book, except they did something that was a little bit of a lower cost. And kind of feel like in 2017, the Kindle Oasis 2 came out, uh, first e-reader really that had an audio bookstore built into it. So Audible, you can plug in wireless speakers, Bluetooth headset, you can listen to audio books um, as you're you know, reading or you can follow along with the, the text. Uh, a lot of use cases and scenarios you could just, you know, sit in a park and, you know, have a wireless speaker and listen to an audiobook. Yeah, you know, um, there's ensemble productions with like, you know, Lord of the Rings where there's like a hundred people uh, doing different voices and music. I mean, it's it's pretty compelling. Uh, Kobo Aura 1 Limited Edition came out. Not much too different from the original Kobo Aura 1 that came out a few years before that, except it had like way more memory, which was kind of cool in a world that um, fewer and fewer e-readers have SD cards. Uh, having more internal memory on an e-reader is pretty critical. In 2018, not a lot of new things happened. Uh, Kobo Clara HD came out, and we all thought, hey, you know, Kobo launched an audiobook store in 2017. They want to get into Walmart, maybe a really kind of low-cost 5-inch e-reader with Bluetooth capabilities uh, and the Kobo audiobook store built into it. No-brainer. Kobo will sell millions of these. Well, they didn't do a 5-inch. They did a 6-inch. They didn't really do anything interesting uh, other than Comfort Light, and the Comfort Light's pretty uneven. Uh, Onyx Book released the Note uh, S, and this is a 9.7-inch e-reader. It's basically a smaller, stripped-down version uh, of the Note, the 10.3, that sold a ton of copies last year. Uh, Onyx hoped to replicate this situation, so they would have something that was like $200 cheaper. No brainer, 9.7, way to go. Uh, Sony this year also released uh, the digital paper DPT-CP1. All of Sony's e-readers in the past for their you know, professional line of, of PDF readers, digital note takers, PDF editors, and so on. Uh, they did their first 10.3 this year, and they reduced the costs accordingly. Uh, neither Sony nor Onyx has really seen any financial windfall. Uh, going forward for the rest of 2018, um, there's really not a lot of new things coming out. I heard Icarus isn't making any e-readers. Energy System, uh, the Spanish company that did a few nice e-readers in the past, uh, they told me that they're getting out of the e-reader business, and they're not long uh, making any more you know Amazon is rumored to release a new basic and paperwhite this year It'd be interesting but 
you know, they'll probably be the same as the Oasis, built an audio bookstore, um, you know, using a little bit more modern e-reader tech, but nothing will really fundamentally change. Uh, Tolino, I, that's sort of the one unknown. They haven't really said which way uh, they're going about, you know, releasing a new device. But I do know that Artitech, the Polish company, uh, they're releasing a 10.3-inch e-reader. But if you look at what happened last year versus this year, there's we're almost taking a step back. Um, Largest screen e-readers still no have no front light. Uh, Kobo's e-readers this year, compared to what they did last year, step back. Almost like all of the Onyx e-readers that they plan on releasing this year, they have like three in the pipeline. Nothing is very compelling. Uh, it's a step back from you know the, the success of the Note last year, and and that's like a crying shame because for the last few years e-readers are enjoying a resurgence in sales and there's some good models that are actually coming out like the Kindle Oasis 2 probably the best e-reader in a few years in terms of uh, form and function and uh, Amazon refining on what went wrong with the original Oasis with the built-in case and, and all that type of stuff uh, they did some really kind of cool things with it that nobody else really did and uh, Barnes & Noble no plans for e-readers uh, this year um, the, the new Glowlight 3, like the plus, that's, it's a not bad e-reader. Um, but yeah, um, really not a lot happening with e-readers this year. Um, fundamentally, no one's really using the IMX7, uh, dual core processors other than the Oasis, uh, 2. So this is Freescale's, uh, dual core processor that they announced in 2016 started mass production okay so they did it a year before 2016 but it had mass production in 2016 and it was in 2017 that we actually saw a product and i don't think that this will be in any other e-readers flagship or otherwise which is a crying shame because the vast majority of e-readers are using uh the imx6 the solo light the one gigahertz processor that came out in 2011, boys. Uh, Ian Carta, which is the only kind of state-of-the-art e-paper, came out like three or four years ago. Ian really isn't doing anything new on the e-reader space. There's really no crazy, you know, PPI machines that are coming out. Plastic Logic demoed like a 500 PPI e-paper screen. Uh, Japan displayed like a like a five or 600 e-paper display, but the prototypes we're not going to see that for a super long time. And you know, in terms of e-reader tech, that's right around the corner. There's really nothing new. Maybe the the advanced color e-paper display that e-ink is making for digital signage that's coming out next year. Maybe by 2022, we might see that in an e-reader. But I mean, God, it's like whatever advances we made last year, we're losing it this year. And it's just not with e-readers, too. It's like smartphones and tablets. Um, a lot of people have exited the tablet business. There's fewer and fewer people that are consistently doing it on a year-by-year -year basis. Uh, Google has their overpriced tablets. Uh, Acer makes tablets. Um Microsoft uh, Surface, which are probably the best tablets that you can kind of buy right now, uh, entry-level iPads and iPads just in general. Uh, but aside from those, there really isn't a lot of players left in the tablet arena. And when was the last time we actually saw an advancement in tablets? It's probably like 
three years ago when we started seeing more two-in-ones where uh, the screen doesn't come off of the laptop, but it does like full 360 degrees, could open one way and close like in another way. So you almost get that tablet experience. And some of them are running Android, some of them are running Windows. That's about the only thing that's kind of interesting changed is the whole two-in-one phenomenon. Uh, Microsoft recently announced uh, their Surface Go uh, a few days ago. It's available for pre-order for like $399. This is really awesome for an entry-level device. It's certainly not brimming with specs, but I mean, 1800 by 1200, uh, 8 gig of RAM or 4 gig of RAM, 64 or 128 gigs of storage, uh, dual core 7th generation Intel processor. This looks some cool things going for it, but at the same time, you're going to have to buy uh, the, the keyboard, you're going to have to buy the Surface Pen, you're looking at like $100 for the keyboard, another $100 for like the pen. So you go from $399 to $499 to $599. But then again, the Apple iPads the same way. You know, you're, you're paying premium Apple prices, so you're paying more for their keyboard. But you only certain iPad models are compatible with the Apple Pencil. So you have to kind of choose the right model. But um, in terms of just tablets in general, I mean, sure, Apple's releasing a new iOS OS this year. They're doing changes to iBooks. They're making some small changes underneath the hoods, but it's not really anything different. Uh, iPhones year and year, some small, medium, large is pretty well what they're doing, but we haven't gone bezel-less with smartphones in general. You know, um, it's not like we have phones that have like a 10,000 milliamp battery that will last you a week. We have the same sort of batteries that we see on year and year. Slight improvement, but not much. Uh, Snapdragon processors, ARM processors, um, you know, there really isn't any paradigm shifts there. It's small incremental updates year on year. So smartphones are like holding steady. Um, small advancements but we're not really seeing anything crazy and new uh, with smartphone technology nor are we seeing like anything that's really after OLED in the future I mean do we want a 4k phone so we can watch like 4k videos on Netflix yes do I want a tablet that could watch 4k videos on Netflix or uh, 4k videos blu-rays that I have at home and screen mirror them on my uh, tablet yes will we see that probably not and uh, smartphones are the same way, you know, we're not really seeing like 4K resolution on phones, so we're not really getting that next gen quality. We're not seeing really phones with like PC amounts of RAM, like 16 gigs, 32 gigs. There's some really high end phones that are coming out this year that'll have like between 8 and 12 gigs of RAM, which is really nice, but the resolution's more or less the same. Screen technology is not really changing. I mean, the only thing that Apple really did last year that was interesting was the notch on the iPhone uh, X. And that was an interesting looking phone, but I mean, $1,200, no thanks. And, and tablets, more or less like the same way, except, you know, uh, Apple and Microsoft sell the most tablets pretty well in the in the US and then there's Amazon which is generally like second or in or in third place in terms of selling tablets but i mean they're scraping the bottom of the barrel that's uh, Amazon's entire business model I actually wrote an interesting post on the blog the other day about what Amazon's doing in the tablet world and you know they went from making 
really expensive tablets when they first started making them in 2011, uh, incorporating features like Dolby Audio, having like four speakers, um, you know, the Fire HDX 8.9 is probably my favorite Amazon tablet that they ever did, but it was like, you know, 379 it was pretty expensive, and um, around 2014, Amazon decided to uh, experiment with lower cost tablets. So Fire HD 6 quad core processor, 99 bucks. 2015, uh, Amazon did like the Fire 7 that was priced at $49. In 2016, they did the Fire 8 H8 with Alexa for $89. And then last year, they did the second generation Fire 7 uh, HD, which was like the same thing, like 49 bucks, like super cheap. Um, you know, in, in, in terms of the major players in the U.S. market, it's pretty well Apple, Amazon, Samsung, Huawei, Lenovo, and then others. At, uh, so those are the people that are pretty well dominating the tablet market, you know, quarter by quarter basis. And this is in the fourth quarter of 2017. So this was the holiday season where people were selling uh, tablets more or less like crazy. But, you know, I wish I could have... 4k videos on my tablet i wish there was something new than than oled that is that's going to be hitting the mainstream you know surface go cool the price is right uh, microsoft's not really doing anything different but they are slowly refining their pen tech for like one note and things and making it kind of interesting so if you look at Smartphones, gradual improvement, tablets, holding steady, e-readers in 2018, total step back. And it's a crying shame for e-readers because, um, you know, I've been covering e-readers since like 2007. So the first year that the Amazon Kindle came out, knew that there was something uh, to it. And I was right. I mean, like, you know, 2013... 14 were like the glory years for e-readers, you know, from like 2008 to like 2014. I mean, for e-books, glory years, for e-readers, glory years, constant innovation. E-Ink would like release new screen tech twice a year. I would always like go to Sid Display Week or CES, and there was always a new kind of e-paper tech. Bridgestone was making e-paper. Pixelqui was like making a name for themselves. Uh, Hanvon was like doing interesting things. There was a lot of cool companies that were involved in the space, and then slowly but surely, all the fringe pay players died off. We don't really, we have like less than 10 companies really that are consistently making new e-readers like on a, on a yearly basis. You know, it's some are, some are bad, some are mid-level, some are like pretty expensive and high quality, you know, like the small, medium, and large thing. Um, you know, it's small, it's cheap, it's cheerful, it's not very good, but I mean, we're, at least we're not seeing an influx of like shitty Chinese like e-readers that people are buying, you know, it's like you buy Nook, you buy a Kobo, you buy a Kindle if you live in the US, if you live in Europe, it's a little bit wider open with like Storytel's releasing a new e-reader this year, their first e-reader, and it's the only e-reader to tap into their um, audiobook unlimited service that they have. So they have like an unlimited uh, audiobook and e-book subscription service pretty well in, 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 
you know, Norway and Sweden and, and, and the Nordic countries for the most part. And um, you pay a monthly fee and the C-Reader is only compatible with their unlimited service. So the modern equivalent that you guys might get is Scribd, uh, that unlimited service. So it'd be like Scribd having a Scribd e-reader and the only way that you can use the e-reader is if you have an active Scribd subscription. So you could like consume all the content on the e-reader and if you, you know, if your membership is canceled or whatever, your credit card expires, you just decide you don't want to pay anymore it's like a paperweight and the same goes with the storytell so storytell is kind of doing a little something interesting they're not really doing anything interesting with the e-reader tech that it sells but in terms of the the premise is pretty cool and i think that they might be interesting to other companies like playster to scribd um you know a kindle unlimited only e-reader would be kind of cool um and, and so on so this is kind of how I feel about uh, the e-reader industry right now. And you guys might have some differing opinions and, and whatnot. Um, I come from it from love. You know, I, I, I hate on a lot of things, but I love e-paper at the end of the day. I got a Sony Fezwatch U that I'm wearing right now. I got an e-ink bracelet. If you look at our studio, we have like... 50 e-readers just like lying around you know in every video that we do there's like a wall of e-reader tech i like what was happening with um you know the internet of things the digital signage aspect of like e-ink e-ink bus stops solar powered like uh you know art gallery type of things um you know construction signs there's some interesting things happening in the e-paper and e-ink world but fundamentally e-ink has really slowed down their innovation to a crawl and this is sort of hampering e-reader technology because without new e-paper it's pretty well e-readers in 2017 look the same as 2016 they look the same as 2015 they looks the same in 2018 will look the same in 2019 text won't be any clearer um, performance won't really be dramatically increased uh, because you know the free skills not really making any new processors and e-reader companies are pretty well not willing to uh, adopt Freescale like the IMX7 dual core and I, I touched on that before and let's talk about why aren't they doing it well because e-readers for the longest time have been using IMX6 solo light uh, 1 gigahertz processor almost every si every single e-reader has that except for like Onyx e-readers that are using like cheap Chinese like quad core uh, processors but for the most part people are using Freescale because it's compatible with e-ink regal and e-ink reader regal is a controller uh, thing underneath the e-ink the e card screen it really helps with like refreshes text transitions when you change the font the fonts instantly changed without having to like refresh the entire book which is what we used to do so we you know um IMX6 is really compatible with Regal, which is why almost every e-reader company that makes e-readers is using it. But if you want to use IMX7, it requires you changing um, the operating system, making tweaks to the operating system, making tweaks to the UI. You have to take advantage of that performance increase that you're getting with the dual core processor. And for the most part, e-reader companies um, are going to have to spend money to do that. And for smaller companies like Goody Reader, for... Um, um, like Icarus, uh, Artitech, 
uh, even Boyu in China to a lesser degree, uh, they have some big contracts, but they're a pretty small company. They can't afford to, um, you know, first of all, they don't even have the, the programmers on staff that can do it. They would have to freelance and outsource it and it would cost like tens and twenty thousand dollars uh to do it um for a bigger company like kobo if they wanted to do it they have a large engineering team they can do it in-house but it would take like six to seven months i was told for an, e an established e-reader company so this is what freescale told me they were like uh, IMX 7 dual cores for like high-end tablets and they told me that and when so when the Oasis 2 was the only e-reader that had it I wasn't too surprised because it was like it's like almost 399 it's an expensive e-reader and, and a lot of that cost is the dual core processor among other things um, but in terms of e-readers companies doing it like the Aura 1 could have had it but they didn't um it requires like half a year or more of kobo revising uh their os everything from like the home screen to like the underlying like linux code diving in there taking advantage of like the expanded processor type stuff and a lot of companies just aren't willing to do it they're like we make a comfortable living selling e-readers every year. We don't really need to really do too much new stuff. The comfort light that Kobo did was was interesting enough. Let's just make sure that every e-reader we have do it. Our bookstore is like fully stocked. Let's do that. Oh, we have an audio bookstore that we released last year. Should we incorporate it into an e-reader? Nah, it's like easier not to do it. We'll just tell people to install the app and buy audiobooks on the app. Oh, wait. You you just have an iPad. Oh, sorry, we, you can't do in-app transactions on the Kobo app for iPad because we don't want to pay Apple the royalty for each uh, purchase. Oh, but what you could do is you could go to your PC. You can go to Kobo.com. You can uh, you know make an account. You can like log in, attach your credit card. You can buy an audiobook. Then you can kind of go back to your iPad and you can sync it. Then you can get your audiobook. Isn't that easy, guys? Um, not really. Would it? Wouldn't it be easy? Like for you to just have like an Android phone and tablet and uh, install the Kobo app and then you could just like download and listen to audiobooks with that. Yeah, okay. So Kobo is limiting their entire audiobook audience to just people with Android and they don't really care about their main business, which is e-readers. And they launched a huge audiobook platform, but e-readers are their business, but you can't listen to audiobooks on e-readers. It just seems silly to me. And it's just like such a simple thing for Kobo to do. Add a Bluetooth chip, add audiobooks to like their e-readers, push out a firmware update, you're good to go. Do you do they need a dual core processor for that? It would probably make sense if Amazon did it with like their Oasis 2. Kobo is the number two player in the e-ink arena. If they really want to get serious about audiobooks, they're going to have to do that. Will they do dual core? Will they do audiobooks on e-readers? Probably not. I I wish they would, but I doubt that they will. And will they listen to this podcast and change their way of thinking? No. Um, they have e-readers for sale through almost every major bookstore uh, in the world. Um, they sell them online. They make a comfortable living. Uh, they're... They are owned by Rakuten, so they function as their own autonomous company, but they're not as young, as scrappy, and independent as they once were. Why take risks when it's easier not to take risks and just to do more of the same every year? 
it's not Kobo's responsibility to innovate or to do anything interesting in the e-reader uh, arena. It's, it's startups. It's young companies willing to take the risk. But at the same time, we have released our own e-reader. We did it like a few years ago. Um, I think we rose like about 500,000 US on Indiegogo for our first uh, device. And then we did like a follow-up one. And then we have like two more planned for 2018. Uh, glow light, comfort light, second generation 6, 6.8, uh, a new 7.8. We're not going to do any more large screen e-readers because it's just too expensive. But, you know... Uh, I know what it's like being a scrappy startup. I mean, we're an e-reader news site and we're doing hardware. And partly why we did it is because, well, we want to do something that no one else is doing. We noticed a gap in the market because we cover e-readers like on a daily basis. So we know where the gaps like exist. Let's fill the gaps. And then all of a sudden, all these other established brands started like doing exactly what we were doing and they have deeper pockets so they could do it a bit better but we've carved ourselves out a little niche i'm happy with that but at the same time i've learned a lot about the supply chain uh the costs involved in doing things and um scrappy startups it's really hard to make it in the e-reader world which is why everyone's sort of gone to like uh they've tried to go to smartphones, to tablets, but you know, internet things, starting their own Bitcoin exchanges, um, whatever is the sort of the buzzword of the day, you know, um, e-readers, it costs a lot of money to, to develop them. It's, if you want to just white label an existing design, it's like three or four hundred thousand uh, dollars just to place the hardware order. Um, you know, spend another like twenty five thousand. So like you know, basically like four hundred grand or so in in placing the order and customizing the firmware and getting the molds done and, and everything like that and and having them to your door. If you want your own design. If you want like something cool, like a like a a dual screen like e-reader that opens and closes like a real book, both like front lit displays. Uh, it's sort of if you've seen the Guido, which is that dual screen 13.3 music reader, something like that, but smaller uh, for an e-book. And you open it up, text on one page, text on another page. It would make sense, like hardcover books dual pages paperbacks dual pages if you were to even have like two 7.8 screens that open and close like a real book that's like more text that fits there than a paperback more text that fits on the screen than a hardcover advantages would be would be that um you can increase the sizes of the fonts so for people with vision problems uh dyslexic people uh people suffering from various ailments they could just increase the size of the text oh wait you just want to listen to an audiobook no problem just hit the audio button um, to do something like that, hey, would a lot of people buy a cheap dual screen e-reader for like three ninety nine? Um, you know, whereas they get just a single screen Kindle Oasis two for that amount, probably people would. How much would it cost? Well, you would have to spend a minimum of about one point one million dollars, and uh, the the MOQ goes up. If you want to do like a new design, you just can't order a hundred units or five hundred units. You have to order like fifty to a hundred thousand units.
comes out to about 1.2 to 1.3 million dollars we were quoted and if you're using two uh, e-ink screens probably about 1.4 to 1.5 million dollars um for a young startup that wants to do something like that, you have to be wondering, do I have that money on hand? Likely not. Will I have to raise it? Yes. Uh, you go and raise money. Hey, I want to do this idea. Hey, this sounds kind of like the Kindle. Oh, yeah, we're you know, it's sort of like we're an alternative to the Kindle. Are you seriously thinking that you could compete against Amazon with their Kindle when they have like a 75% market share in the US and about like a 65% market share in Europe, a 95% market percent market share in the UK uh yeah uh sorry kid we can't help you and that's exactly how it's like played out you know who will uh take the VC financial risk on a company wanting to compete in the end of the day against uh, you know if they're a VC in the US you're competing against Barnes and Noble Amazon, Kobo, and how are you going to do that? Well, we're thinking about doing a dual screen. It'll be both cheap and to do it. We have like a, a history with hardware, so we do have a history of sales. Uh, what are your sales? Well, have you made millions? Uh, not really. Uh, have you made close to a million? Uh, not really. Uh, sorry, kid. Uh, so that's how it is. Now, can an existing company pivot and start making e-paper devices? Possibly. Intel sh showed off, uh, I think it was the Tigra. I just kind of want to, I remember writing an article about this. They showed it off. It was a, it was something cool. It was, um, like, um, a dual screen device where it was using uh okay so here it is the intel tiger rapid this is freaking cool and this would be something i'd be totally uh, into making one side of the screen lcd the other side of the screen e-ink comes with a digital pen you could write on the digital note you can read an e-book and it, it sort of reminded me of the entourage edge a lot of people listening to the show probably weren't involved in e-readers back then but the entourage edge was the first one to do it they did it with a larger screen and a smaller screen lcd on one side e-paper on the other um that company was way ahead of its time but and so lcds at that time were like tft so or LCD and it was like 800 by 600 was the best resolution that you were going to get uh, for e-paper it was like 167 ppi on a six inch screen it was like literally terrible um, but using new technologies you could kind of really make it work and um, so Intel's not going to make that uh, they're more or less looking for partners to like do it but at the same time you know if you're a partner that's like okay Intel has this product. We want to do like a white label version of it before like Lenovo, uh, before like HTC or like, you know, another company like uh, Huawei could possibly do it. We want to do it first. And but it's like it'll cost like one to do this Intel one. It's probably the MOQ is probably like 50,000, 100,000, 500,000, uh, 10 15 25 million dollars probably about 25 million dollars to to get this intel rapid things made not counting this you know counting the software development and everything like that uh who has that money and then you kind of wonder why why isn't there more people in the e-reader arena it's kind of the reason why if you want to do anything innovative anything interesting and something that hasn't been done before you have to be prepared to invest like millions of dollars and 
if you're going to do that, you have to do the market research. Will customers want this product? If you do market research, some people will say yes, some people will say no. What's the reach of e-readers these days? We did a poll. We've done actually numerous polls over the years, but it really comes down to it that the average person hangs on to their e-reader between five and six years before they upgrade to a new model. If you have a Kindle from like four or five years ago, it's fine. You know, you don't have the built-in light. Maybe the text uh, isn't the clearest. Maybe the resolution's not the best, but you don't really know what you're missing because it's the only device that read, reading e-books uh, that you've ever had. Um, you get a modern e-reader, hey, light years better but a lot of people aren't upgrading their e-reader year to year or even you know to every two or three years they're doing it between four and five years and this is why a lot of companies have exited the arena because just the buying cycle on e-readers is so you know so long compared to smartphones if you have like a four or five year old smartphone you have a brick like legit tablets a little bit better for, for i was rocking like an ipad 9.7 for like four years and it was fine um you know i'm play a lot of graphic intensive games a lot of news research a lot of simpsons tapped out just some casual games but you know when the ipad pro 9.7 came out i'm like all right this has four speakers yeah, I watch a lot of Netflix. Like when I'm chilling or podcasts, I listen to podcasts before I go to bed. And having four speakers on my iPads was a reason enough to upgrade. Trade in my old model. At the end of the day, I spent like just like two hundred dollars. Spent another hundred on getting a pen, primarily just to review it for our YouTube channel. But I, I doodle uh, here and there and stuff like on it. It's you know, it's something that I kind of like. Um, gave me a reason to upgrade. Um. E-readers, not a lot happens like I've been saying, you know, last basically new processor that everyone used, 2011, we're using e-paper screens that are like four or five years old, I mean, you know, it's really not a lot of reason for people to upgrade, you know, a comfort, you know, a warm light color temperature display so you could like turn the bright white light off and have like more of a muted orangey color yeah sure that's pretty something pretty cool most people are just happy with an e-reader like at the kindle paperwhite 3 with a front light that came out like in 2015 or whatever if you have that you're fine you know you don't really need to upgrade so will you upgrade to a dual screen e-reader how much does it cost how much will I have to pay to like get this in your hands? Steve Jobs famously said that customers don't really want know what they want to let you uh, put it in front of them. But that's coming from like a CEO of like a company that was making computers and has a lot of money since like the 80s. So they could they took the risk to make the iPhone. They took the risk to make the iPad and various other type of products. Uh, Apple was certainly really never the first. You know, they weren't the first one to make a smartphone. They weren't the first one to make the tablet. But they were the first ones to really kind of bring the smartphone to the mainstream. Uh, the iPad tablets they brought them to the mainstream. Um, so yeah, I mean. I wish I wish e-readers weren't taking a step back in 2018 like they were in 2017. Um, just like I wish I could write nothing but good news against Barnes & Noble, but they kind of forced me to just always be negative about it. And it kind of sucks because, like, I wish Barnes & Noble could turn things around. That was the, the theme on the last podcast about, um, you know, just all everything. 
with Nook, executives, teams, four CEOs in five years. I mean, it's a gong show there. Um, if you want to hear it, you can kind of go to our website, goodyreader.com, click on media, and then click on uh, radio show. And you can listen to uh, old podcasts. We're also on TuneIn, Stitcher, uh, Google Play, Google Audiobooks. We're like on uh, iTunes, so you just have to search for uh, Good Space E Dash Reader, uh, and you'll find it. If you just type in Goody Reader one word, we should pop up either way. You'll see a proverbial big E logo. So you can listen to us on the podcasting network of your choice. If you are already listening to us on a, on not on our website but another network, welcome. Goody Reader is the definitive news source on all things e readers, e books, digital publishing, and audiobooks. Uh, every day we publish between four and five different articles. We have a vibrant YouTube channel where we post a video a day uh, since around 2009. It was established. Uh, millions of views a month. It's, you know, we're, we're doing pretty well with our YouTube channel and our video production quality is really increase like in the last like year or so we built a new studio we have new lighting uh we went away from like the old studio lights to a, a really warmer lcd uh setup we have a floodlight on the roof now um we have like our 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 whole when we do when i do sort of the vlog style news segments you notice that like the backgrounds totally change we have new props new things to kind of like liven it up and we got a 4k camera and got rid of kind of like our cheaper camcorder that we were using over the years so our production level dramatically increased so if you've never seen any of our videos before uh youtube.com slash goody reader all one word you can check that out and you can also look at it by going to our website goodyreader.com and just clicking on videos and it'll bring you to it so thanks for listening everyone my name is michael you've been listening to the goody reader radio show and everybody take care